gentlemen, and we are back at the Advanced Advertising Theater. We are broadcasting live on voiceamerica.com. I'm Lori H. Schwartz, your tech cat, and I'm so excited to bring you our next presentation. We are going to dig into how to really manage TV audiences and digital execution. It's a new era of cross-platform magic. And so I'm going to now introduce Pan Kankage. I practiced at home, but obviously it didn't work. <laughs> From Psychability. And he has some fabulous panelists, and they are going to take us through a wonderful uh, journey about how to really dig into these two worlds and how they're coming together. So take it away, Psychability. I, I'm no stranger to getting my name uh, mispronounced, but you did a great job. Thank well, you very much. Laurie H. Schwartz is so easy. <laughs> I don't have a C in my shroff. <laughs> um, so um, what we're going to talk about today is uh, TV audiences and digital execution. Uh, as uh, many of you in the audience know, and uh, some of you might hear uh, from news organizations, uh, is that television um, advertising is moving uh, the digital way in terms of doing the business itself, the business of television advertising. And so what we're going to talk about is how, you know, sort of compare and contrast how TV, is, TV advertising works today um, and also how uh, digital advertising works today and then um, sort of uh, discuss how the two are merging or converging in both uh, use of data and addressability and also uh, use of automation and uh, more uh, operational efficiencies um, in the ecosystem. Uh, and so I'd like to introduce our uh, guest, uh, um, Brett uh, Adamczyk. Go ahead. Uh, thanks. Uh, I'm Brett Adamczyk. I'm the VP of Business Development and Strategy for Vidya. Um, Vidya is a 100% uh, supply-side platform working throughout the television industry, uh, working with local broadcast affiliates, networks, um, and the like to bring a programmatic solution to their selling methodologies. So uh, bringing efficiencies to the selling process, bringing data um, to really help them monetize and optimize yield throughout their entire schedules. And the scene? And I'm Asim Bakshi, I'm the CEO of Psychability. And uh, while these gentlemen are going to be very serious, I'm going to try to keep you guys a little bit entertained while talking a lot about how TV advertising and digital advertising is going to be going. So we're going to be covering a number of things. Uh, these are the basic questions that we're going to be covering. We're going to talk about traditional TV ad sales. After that, we're going to talk about digital ad sales. And then finally, we're going to talk about TV and digital. Um, there's a recurring theme that's going to be going on throughout the presentation. You can see the TV versus digital boxing gloves at the bottom. So uh, I think initially the way it started out was that TV advertising was versus digital advertising, right? It was a war uh, that was initially, uh, this is like five, seven years ago. And we're going to show how that sort of is played out as, uh, uh, as we go through the presentation. But first, let's talk about traditional uh, TV advertising. And the first area we're going to talk about is what works in the TV ad business. So, Brett, do you want to talk a little bit about what works in the TV ad business? Well, I mean, it, I think there's a lot to, that works for the TV ad business. It's still clearly the most popular medium for advertisers to reach mass audiences um, today, right? I think where it lacks in um, data and technological advancements to really bring it into a more digital age. And I'm not talking about real-time bidding, right? But I'm talking about the ability to find audiences, the ability to dynamically insert ads to a household um, across the entire spectrum of television. But when you really look at what TV is good for, right? It's, it's reaching audiences en masse. 
and it's still really good at that. It's still the most effective medium for it. Um, but there are inefficiencies in the sales process. And I think if you talk to anyone at a network or a local affiliate or anyone in between, uh, a rep firm, right? There are so many inefficiencies and laborious um, processes that need to be updated, right? And that's gonna take some time and automation and that's what kind of programmatic is bringing to that sales process. So if, if you ask me today what a rep does, they will say that they spend 10 to 15% of their time actually selling, right? And they spend 85% of their time on the phone doing make goods, um, preemption, stewardship, putting campaigns together, calling individual stations or networks to get updated rates. I mean, you, you need to update that process to really make bring TV into a more efficient world. Totally true. So Pankaj, what do you think? What's been working in well, the TV ad industry? I think somebody said it really well um, in another conference I attended uh, just uh, earlier this month, which is that TV still happens to be the most efficient way to reach mass audiences and perhaps probably economically as well, the most uh, uh, dollar efficient way, CPM efficient way to reach mass audiences. However, like Brett pointed out, there's uh, from a sales perspective, from a media sales perspective, as well as a media buyer perspective, uh, the core thing that's driving inefficiencies in the TV ecosystem today is that content is the only thing that can be used as a proxy for audiences. And the translation that you have to do from who you know your target audience is and how to reach them to what show you want to buy against in order to reach them is non-trivial. It's actually uh, not just non-trivial, it's actually um, unfortunately you know, very, very laborious. And um, to the extent that that can be improved, that's kind of where uh, both Psychability and, and Vidya uh, you know, are working. So, so um, I did a blog on LinkedIn. Uh, May uh, 2014 about what the size of the revenue in the TV industry would be and what the digital industry would be. And uh, you can kind of see that in 2018 the prediction was uh, that it would come true. Nowadays there's a lot of articles that are actually starting to say that. But the, what works in the TV ad business? A bucket load of money is actually exchanging hands and is being delivered on on a day-to-day -day basis. There are many inefficiencies there. but. It's a lot of money. It's been done extremely well for many, many years. Um, you can see that backing up the data in terms of the amount of revenue that's coming in from a TV ad industry. So uh, it, this is from Statista, uh, which shows that the revenue is pretty much in line with what the forecast was that was made by, by me nearly uh, two and a half years ago. Okay, so I think we were, uh, we were already talking a lot about what are the issues that are facing uh, the uh, TV ad sales, and there's a lot of them, and uh, both uh, Brett and Pankaj had already talked about them. So why don't we talk about what are the issues that are facing, what doesn't work in the TV ad sales industry today? Pankaj, do you want to go? Okay, I'll go first. Um, well, you know, I think um, if you if you look at um, the, the what I just described, which is being using content as a proxy for audiences, um, embedded within it, inside the linear TV space is uh, unfortunately a lot of waste uh, and when I say when we say waste what we really mean by that is there is um, a household kind of an approach and then on top of that is overlaid a geographic DMA kind of an approach even when there is national advertising or ad buying and selling that happens in television and that's the linear part now on the VOD there's probably a lot more promise with respect to the ability to reach individual households or even individual devices um, and that's coming uh, and digital is playing a big role in 
uh, implementing the processes of uh, targeting and dynamic ad insertion for that. Um, but some of the waste and accuracy issues are particularly tied with measurement and the way measurement is done, as well as particularly tied with the way addressability is done in linear TV. And so, you know, we, we'll talk about it later a little bit, but that's kind of what I'll point out. Brent. I mean, look, I, I think I think there's a lot of deficiencies in TV in the, in the current ecosystem right now, right? If, if you really want to bring ad sales into the future, I think the, the technological infrastructure that's in place um, needs to take a step forward. And it, it's starting to happen, but if you look at it specifically in broadcast with ATSC 3.0 and things of that nature and being able to really have return path data um, at the millisecond level, uh, level, like some of the ACR data, um, some of what the smart TV people are doing, the Vizios, the Samsungs, and people of that nature. Um, we're starting to get there, right? But from a delivery perspective, when you think of um, your ability to target a household, uh, broadcast schedule is locked 24 hours in advance, right? So that doesn't really help um, from the perspective of who's watching what and when, right? And once we get that data and we can update the technology, then the ability to service ads and find audiences within specific programs around specific networks is gonna take a giant leap forward. So I think there's definitely some technology advancements that need to be made, and, and I think we're starting to get there. Um, and as Pankaj referenced, I think from a measurement perspective, um, we still have a long way to go. And whether that's um, finding a common currency or standardizing what a GRP is or what an impression is, um, we need to start making those changes as an industry. And that's from both the buy side and the sell side. Yeah, um, I mean, so. totally agree. I mean, I think from the campaign, like if you look at how campaigns are done today, right? Um, you have usually like a, a buyer saying, I want to buy either a tent pole, like a network, or if they're trying to do a national buy across uh, a cable network, or, or they want to buy a DMA if they're trying to do a local buy. And for that, they'll go to either addressable, you know, with cable as well as uh, broadcast stations. Or they, they, they'll say, I want to buy a show because of the GRP or the rating point, right? So the measurement and the campaign efficiency or the refinement is very closely tied because the inability to refine your campaign uh, is a direct uh, consequence of how it's being measured and how it's being scheduled, like, like you just said. So there's one, only one other point that I would add on, and the other factor is cross-media. Uh, both the measurement and the targeting. Right now, the digital and TV domains are really treated as two distinct silos. More and more people are starting to try to bring them together and to do campaigns, particularly from the agency side, this push has already been initiated. But the realities of the execution today don't really provide a unified picture. Uh, this sort of leads into sort of uh, what are the challenges facing uh, the uh, industry today, and we're going to talk a little about that. But before that, you can see me, I was in Moab doing that jump last week. No? Okay, no one I, I don't see you doing that. Oh, come on, it really <laughs> looks like me. <laughs> Brett, go on. I, I, don't, I don't have anything to add to that. <laughs> uh, okay, so let's instead, rather than talking about my challenges in jumping at Moab, let's talk about challenges facing the TV industry. Brett, do you want to talk about that? Yeah, I mean, look, I think um, I, I wouldn't so much as call them challenges, right? I think I think that one of the biggest challenges is obviously on the on the, on the measurement side, but I think when you talk about um, bringing television into a digital realm, which and by saying digital, I don't necessarily mean 
um, fully programmatic or RTB or any of those things, right? But when you look at what a programmatic solution could mean for television, I think you start to run into a number of challenges. And I think one of them is um, the willingness of both sides, buyers and sellers, to actually embrace it as an additional sales channel, right? So one of the things that we look at now with respect to programmatic is that there's a lack of inventory available. And for programmatic to really work at scale and for measurement and data to work at scale efficiently for both the buy side and the sell side, there needs to be scale associated with that. So there needs to be a willingness on both sides of the table. I mean, look, TV has 50 years of history, right? That digital didn't have. So there are these ingrained processes associated with the buying and selling of television that need to be updated. And that starts with education. It starts with a willingness to change. It starts with new rules and guidelines being put in place to protect the value of inventory, but enable sellers and buyers to be able to buy, um, buy their audiences and access the inventory in ways that they never have before. Um, but that's a lot of change. Yeah, and I, I think experimentation is actually a key word there, right? Because if you if you're if in any ecosystem, if you're trying to bring about massive massive amounts of change suddenly, it's going to either have an allergic reaction to it, which has ha happened before in the TV industry, or uh, it's going to be a very very slow process to implement those changes. And experimentation plays a big role, and specifically data experimentation. I think uh, the willingness to for the parties to play here is also important because. Uh, I think it was Videology who did a study that actually showed that um, while 95% of ad, uh, TV ad buying today is against an age and, age and gender uh, demo, um, studies show um, specifically that a one-third, one-third, one-third split across age and gender, behavioral, and category, index category, index category buyer like you know luxury cars or uh, political personas. Um, would give the most optimal fit for a, both a media buyer and a media seller. Uh, and so if these studies are at all even close to true, we are like at a big, big you know, chasm here and the picture is actually very, uh, very uh, representative of that, that we need to cross, right? I mean, and the way you're going to cross that chasm is by beginning to experiment with new exotic segments, overlaying first party data and, and you know, maybe experimenting with programmatic especially to buy a linear TV, uh, you know, against some new sources of data, and that's really where we're uh, we're you know focusing some of the. Would either of you like to comment about price versus quality or efficiency-focused selling? Well, I I'll I'll start by sort of saying what sort of the elephant in the room is that, uh, and then I'll let Brett sort of talk about you know whether or not you know I'm I'm saying. I'll, I'll tell you if you're wrong or not. If, I, if I'm <laughs> honest, yeah. So the elephant in the room is that you know everybody's fear is that programmatic is going to drive pricing down, when it's exactly the opposite that could be ha could happen by data enrichment, right? Uh, you know we are talking to folks who are doing very strong, very uh, very interesting ways of interactivity and and driving engagement with the customer of saying uh, if you know and reducing ad loads in fact uh, and driving CPMs up by using very creatively data to build segments, to build interactivity, to build data enriched selling that can drive both CPMs up, reduce ad loads, and actually uh, not have that worry about programmatic sort of creating a, um, a you know, run of the net or run of the uh, sort of a remnant issue problem. Remnant. Commoditization of the inventory. Yeah. Um, 
You know, I mean, I mean, I think the skepticism around programmatic uh, from all of the inventory holders is obviously they don't want to have happen what happened in digital, right? And that's a, a decrease in pricing. But I think there's a lot of differences between television and the digital world that uh, that will enable that not to happen, right? And I think the, the first major one is that TV inventory is, is finite, exactly. right? It's not infinite. So you're dealing with a pool, with a, with a pre-priced pool that, for the most part, has historically been 100% sold out, right? And when you talk about where data has really started to, to play into the equation, um, people like to say remnant um, or overnight or kind of undersold day parts, right? And while that's true, and we have definitely seen data um, create lift from a CPM or a... Um, uh, a GRP perspective uh, in terms of how we're selling, right? It, there are massive implications of what that means. And it almost means that you don't move, there, there isn't such thing as prime versus remnant inventory because if you use data enrichment to find uh, audience segments throughout the schedule, right? Uh, a $2 CPM overnight buy might be worth $14 to a buyer because it's over indexes so highly for a specific audience, right? So maybe that piece of inventory that the inventory holder considered to be remnant um, is a prime spot for someone, right? And those are the types of decisions that inventory holders and buyers and sellers are gonna be faced with. It, it creates a lot of opportunity throughout the schedule for optimization. Um, and, and it creates a lot of opportunity for the sellers to actually target that specific audience, increase ROI, and have efficiency of spend, right? Which is one of the things that they're really looking for. And discovering that demand is a big part of it, right? And if, or if you knew that you there is a buyer in the scatter market who is looking for that segment that you happen to have the inventory for, so you know that the demand is high and the time window is short, you know well, how to price it. Right? Well, it's not just that you know how to price it, but at the end of the day, what you're really doing is, and, and I think one of the ultimate goals of programmatic is to provide access for the inventory holders to demand partners that they've never had access to, right? So when you look at who buys a TV spot, it might be um, Joe, the Chevy dealer from down the street, who's locked in a number of spots over the course of the year, right? But you have a single price on that piece of inventory. You don't know that there's 18 other buyers out there that have never come to the table that are looking for a specific audience within that piece of inventory that you sold to Joe the Chevy dealer. Yeah. So now all of a sudden, you've got 19 people trying to buy that piece of inventory, competing for that piece of inventory, right? And we think that the, ultimately, the increase in demand um, is what's really gonna rise CPMs and price across inventory. And it's not necessarily in a bidding environment. It can be in a static environment. It can be in a forward guarantee model. It can be, I mean, there's many different ways to do that. But I, I think that's where a lot of people sort of draw immediate conclusions as soon as somebody says programmatic is around bidding. And almost almost nobody that I'm talking to that is any, you know, anywhere serious about TV programmatic um, is talking about bidding. You know, nobody, almost nobody. I mean, so I, maybe I'm wrong. I know of one, but unlike you, I'm not going to name my competitors in a okay, well. spot. So. <laughs> It's okay. So I guess limited inventory would be one of the things that really is highlighted here, which is the difference of why commoditization won't be impacted. And the other is know thy audience, um, where uh, there's a tremendous number of ways in which you can really learn about your audiences and more and more data is becoming available.
Okay, let's uh, switch tracks a little bit and start talking about digital. So if I fast forward the timeline um, on TV versus digital, if you were to look like two, three years back, I think everybody, or even more recently, everybody's sort of been saying the knockout punch from digital is being delivered, TV is near death's door, and uh, you know we're all doomed. Uh, we don't actually agree with that, but uh, you know this is a timeline and we're trying to represent where people are thinking and uh, we'll sort of lead into where we think the industry is going to go. But before we do that, let's talk about the digital industry. Okay, so same sort of a format. We're going to do an overview of the digital sales industry. Uh, quick check, how many people know what a DSP is, what an SSP is, what a DMP is? Ad network. Okay, pretty, so pretty knowledgeable group. Good, good. Yeah. So uh, let's. Uh, so we don't have to do that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there it is, plain uh, in plain uh, PowerPoint. So why don't you do uh, Oh, you're gonna make me do that, huh? <laughs> okay, fine. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so yeah, I mean, I think um, um, there's there's been an evolution, but it's been a very very rapid evolution of ad technologies in in the digital ecosystem. Um, as uh, as everyone knows, you know, a lot of ad tech, ad technology started with ad networks aggregating inventory across many many publishers, many websites initially with dis respect to display inventory, uh, and you know, increasingly with other devices like mobile and and uh, social uh, other media types as well. Um, and uh, over time, what has happened is that the transparency and the um, what you would say like sort of the uh, ability to say what is fraud and what is not has become a very very important topic in the digital ad ecosystem and as a result of that the business models have evolved and changed uh, and how have they changed they've changed to a remove middlemen uh, and what has resulted is actually increased middlemen um, and then B is to increase transparency and, and uh, visibility into what did I buy and what did I get right uh, and so in that spirit programmatic has really taken to the fore in terms of rapidly almost exploding to the scene in the digital uh, ecosystem and uh, acquired almost 40% of the market share like 40% of, of all digital ad buying and selling happens using programmatic a lot of it is bidding that's true and probably for good reason because in digital it is unlike TV which is a finite inventory medium is almost infinite. I mean, you can basically say you can have trillions of impressions that can be served on any given day. Um, and so bidding happens to be the most efficient way to establish market economics for that. Uh, and also to establish um, you know, uh, buying and selling automation. So that's sort of the nutshell. Uh, I won't go into the TLAs, the three-lettered acronyms. Uh, but seems like we have a very knowledgeable audience. I mean, I was just going to say, I think, the, I think the one thing that has really taken that, that people have taken from digital to other mediums is obviously the use of data right and that's something that we're all talking about and, and I think the return path data the enrichness of cookie based targeting um, the ability to find audiences um, and have measurement in near real time um, is what's really moved other mediums of advertising to strive for those levels of measurement and use of those levels of data, right? It's actually really helped push the industry forward as a whole, um, even if we're not completely there yet. But uh, I think when you look at what newspapers doing, what radio is doing, what television is doing, right? They're kind of they all have their own unique factors, but they're taking kind of the best of what they can from 
how uh, digital advertising sales grew um, and trying to implement that into their ecosystems, right? So keeping the best part of, of digital, learning from what really didn't work um, and trying to advance those industries forward. Actually, a lot of lot has been said about the cookie, right? And you know, potentially even the death of the cookie, and specifically with the advent of you know exploding usage of mobile devices and smartphones, um, as well as very very strong engagement metrics on social media like Facebook and Twitter. Uh, you know, it might just be that you know we might be actually witnessing the beginning of the end um, when it comes to cookie-based data. But I might be you know foretelling it. Um, too soon, probably, but uh, there is there is in, in enough doubt in terms of the a the uh, usability of the cookie-based um, uh, both data science as well as uh, buying and selling uh, in more of the the faster-growing media types like mobile and social and now to TV. So that's sort of. Uh, I think one of the things is the rapid. Uh, sort of like almost usage of the semantics that's true in the digital industry. The fact that so many people here today recognize those acronyms just shows how quickly the convergence story is actually beginning to occur. Um, I, I think that that trend is just going to continue. Programmatic is on the way in, but the entire ecosystem uh, is going to merge between digital and uh, TV. And uh, a lot of what we're, I think we're all saying the same thing, that a lot of commonality is going to be found and there's going to be built out uh, based off of the best of uh, both worlds. Okay, so uh, let's talk about digital ad sales and what actually works today in digital ad sales. What, what are the, why is it so prevalent? Why is it so useful? So, uh, Brett, did you want to talk about that? Oh, okay, Pankaj. <laughs> <laughs> I, I didn't want to talk about it. Like, I, I don't want to talk about it. I come from the TV world, so. <laughs> well, we all know that it's very highly targeted, like, you know, both cookies as well as uh, mobile data, you know, serve as a very, very strong data point to bring extremely high levels of addressability. But it's not just the data, it's the way people consume digital content. Individual users go to individual websites and browse individual pages uh, on individual topics, and therefore you can target them individually. And in television, while individual viewers go and watch individual shows, and you know they have their own favorite genres and and, and actors and 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 television channels, you just cannot. It's not delivered to individuals. It's delivered to households. It's delivered to set-top boxes, and increasingly to smart TVs and. And we think that that's what will bring about the change is that this individualization, sort of the viewer-centric approach uh, of delivery of TV content itself will drive viewer-centric approach towards measurement uh, and targeting and addressability. Um, the other thing that works in, in, in digital is large-scale execution. I mean, in a medium of infinite inventory, your first question is how many impressions can you deliver, right? And so the ecosystem has evolved in ways that actually makes it possible, in fact, makes it almost, you know, click of a button easy to go and buy millions and millions of impressions uh, in a in literally milliseconds, right? Uh, and that's what that's where programmatic comes in. That's that definitely works, no doubt. How how well it works, how much return on my inventory, what's you know, we'll talk about the frauds issue next, uh, but uh, you know, those are fun questions. 
And one of the areas that digital has been uh, very effective is multi-platform, right? The definition of what digital ad inventory has sort of been expanding if you start taking, we started off with basically web, and then mobile is sort of in that same ecosystem, uh, and then search is in the same ecosystem, and it continues to broaden out. So the ecosystem is designed from uh, the, the first step to handle multiple forms of inventory, and we'll talk a little bit later because the same sort of like multiple different types is happening in the TV industry also. It's not just linear TV anymore, and so we need to adapt to be able to handle that, similar to the way the digital ecosystem has adapted. Okay, so let's talk about what does not work uh, in the digital ad ecosystem. And uh, you can see over there, uh, one of uh, the major concerns uh, beyond the commoditization piece is the uh, pie question, right? Who actually is taking a larger percentage of the pie? Um, uh, in terms of from one end of the chain to the other end of the chain in the ecosystem. There are a number of other uh, challenges and uh, things that don't work that we've listed out. Uh, Pankaj, do you want to talk about that? I'm going to say just like Brett, no. <laughs> <laughs> but well, you, you mean, can never stop me from talking. <laughs> well, no, I mean, I mean, look, right, if, if you're talking about kind of the deficiencies in digital, I think, you know, viewabil viewability is obviously one of them. And there's actually been talk um, in the TV ecosystem of going to a playout model for the viewability of ads, right? And quite frankly, I think what we're, what we're seeing or hearing from advertisers is that they're actually starting to move budgets back away from digital to television because digital isn't working um, for them in the ways that they thought, right? I mean, how many people out here go to ESPN or some other website, right? And you want to watch a 14-second highlight clip and you have to watch a 30-second ad to do that, right? I mean, the consumer proposition for that sort of thing is declining heavily, and advertisers are starting to realize that, um, that they're actually getting better viewership of ads um, and full play out on... Uh, linear on OTT on VOD and those sorts of things so you, you know and, and I think the other thing is that from a brand awareness perspective um, TV is a lot safer and you are seeing premium publishers start to worry about and advertisers start to worry about um, where their ads are being placed who's actually looking at them um, and those sorts of things so you know we don't really deal with fraud as much in television it's relatively viewed as a safe medium for advertising but um, you know, I think people are starting to slowly come around that you know, digital was the hot thing um, or, or digital ways of advertising and mediums and, and places to place you know, because of the ROI and feedback loop and things of that nature, right? But there's other mediums out there that serve their needs better. Uh, and, and we're starting to get to that point. And then there's the whole de definition of what's an impression. Uh, digital impression versus the TV impression. There's a radical difference between the two. That's almost an hour long debate on its own. Uh, Pankaj, do you have? Uh, I, th I think you guys covered it, right? Because, I mean, fraud is the only one, but I think everybody has, you know, heard a lot about it already in terms of, like, how, how much fraud there is on the internet, on the, in terms of the ad, you know, ad click-throughs and things like that. So, I think we've covered most. Okay, so, um, sort of continuing on the theme, this is where we see the industry today. Um, from a revenue perspective, it's sort of approaching parity, but I think TV is sort of bending its knee and sort of like trying to marry digital at this point in time. Uh, they're both large ecosystems. Okay, it's, uh, it was the best uh, idea I could come up with, sorry. <laughs> 
but the you know that that seems to be the evolution. I think contention is no longer the uh, uh, the primary focus. It's 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 a marriage. It may not be a marriage made in heaven. It may not be a marriage that started out uh, particularly well, but a marriage it will be. Uh, I don't think the, there's any debate that that's the writing on the wall. The, the SpongeBob marriage. <laughs> Well, I think, I mean, when you say marriage, right, I think there's an interesting way of looking at it. And the, the marriage is that, you know, if you looked in 2008, the number of dollars that were spent on linear versus the number of dollars that were spent on, like, digital video and things of that nature, the marriage isn't so much a marriage of equals. It's, I would say, a, um, a convergence of or to video, right? So television and, and digital are just, they're gonna become one thing. Like I would say in a few years, we're not gonna be talking about television, we're gonna be talking about video, right? And it's gonna be a single pool of impressions um, that you can buy. And they're gonna have attributes that are similar to each other. There, there's gonna be some differences, but it's gonna be a video pool of impressions, right? And that's where we're going. But the interesting thing about that is that People have been really quick to talk about the death of television and how dollars are going away and viewership declines across the board. But when you look at total advertising spend for video over the next three to five years, it's the fastest growing medium um, in advertising, period, right? And it's growing almost by double digits. So the pool of dollars available for those impressions is gonna be significantly larger. And we're seeing that trend continuing. Yeah, um, I think the, the other thing that I would just basically say is that when we talk about best of both worlds, we're not really talking about sort of saying that I have a cookie-based audience and then I have a TV-based audience. It's more about I have TV content flowing to traditional means as well as digital platforms, right? And as audiences migrate or shift their viewing habits over onto digital platforms, the core, the core tying factor between them is really the content, as, as Brett was saying. And so when we talk about TV, the word TV in, in psychability, for us, TV means long form content on any device and on, on any screen delivered in any medium, right? So that's, that's really what's driving the convergence is both buyers and sellers saying, I have, like sellers are saying, I have this phenomenal piece of content. I want to be able to monetize it when somebody watches my The Expanse, sci-fi, right? Uh, the Expanse on their iPad. I want to be able to monetize it when they click their on-demand, Xfinity on-demand button and say, I want to watch Blacklist or uh, the next episode of, um, uh, or, the, or past episodes of you, Scandal. You must not watch that much TV if you come <laughs> Yeah, I, I have to come up with, yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, the content is what's, what's sort of tying them all together and that's where the convergence is happening. And so it's the combination. It's, uh, it's a combination of direct selling and programmatic selling. It's a combination of the different delivery types. That's really sort of where this sort of marriage or convergence or whatever word you'd like to take is where the industry uh, seems to be going. Well, and even, and even to take that one step further, I mean, one of the interesting things that we've actually been talking about recently uh, with some of our network partners is and I don't know how many people here are familiar with the TV with the TV process and make goods and under delivery weight and things of that nature, right? But um, in order to truly optimize the schedule um, and, and and remove some of the pain points from the make good process, you know, people are starting to coalesce around the idea of digital impressions as a make good for under delivery on television, 
right? So you can keep the schedule open. And, and I think, you know, it's going to go back to the measurement perspective in terms of what's an impression and how to translate them. But um, those conversations are starting to happen um, at very high levels within networks, within the broadcast industry. Um, and that's a place that we weren't at even 12 months ago, right? So when you talk, about, when you talk about convergence from, from a media plan perspective, um, it, those are pretty interesting concepts. Yeah, I, I was just talking to a network exec who was telling me that you know, they have sometimes 30% make goods against linear inventory because they, haven't be, you know, they don't necessarily always have to have the ability to deliver now. May not be true with broadcast uh, affiliate stations, but definitely... No, it's, it's almost uh, as high. Yeah, yeah. so that's, that's pretty high make goods. Like if you have to you know, make good for 30% of your sale, you know, that's, that's a big amount of money. And if you, can make, if you can offer impressions against the same content on VOD or OTT, over the top or TV everywhere impressions, uh, you're basically selling the same product, but actually probably a higher CPM because of the availability of data there, right? So that's, that's pretty good. So I'm going to skip over and actually do this, uh, which is what do you define as TV today? Uh, Pankaj, you already sort of opened that topic. Um, so uh, uh, why don't you elaborate more? I mean, I've listed, you know, a lot of different things that even in the traditional TV medium, uh, linear TV, cable, satellite, rabbit ears, DVR, catch-up TV, OTT streams. Uh, which one's TV? Um, according to us, all of it. And I think you said that yeah, earlier. I think EV, yeah, I kind of already covered that. But yeah, absolutely. And this is really important because if you're thinking of just linear TV, uh, I think that that day is gone. Uh, you really have to look at uh, all of it. Well, Brett, maybe you can tell, about, tell us about like C3 versus C7 because there's a lot of, you know, uh, you know, folks that are not from within the TV industry, you know, have to cope well, with this Nielsen, you know, this existing well, terminology. Well, the, the C3 and C7 is measurement, right? So that's your, your time-shifted viewing. Um, many of the agencies will buy a program on C3, right, which means that they get the live plus whoever watches it on their DVR three days after it aired live, right? And there was kind of a shift in the industry two years ago um, in the upfronts to try and go to a C7 model. Um, but, you know, and, and this speaks to, I think, some of the challenges in measurement. Because if you actually truly look at how a program uh, was viewed over the life of the program, the publisher isn't getting credit for all those views that go through almost C30, right? 30 day view later. And that's a lot of money. Um, and that's something that the industry is starting so, to call So if I was a broadcaster well. or a programmer and I had a hit series, you know, like Blacklist or Scandal. And I wanted to sell um, maybe 45 days, maybe three months later. The, 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 I, I think what, the, big, the biggest... Would I get pennies or would I even not even get pennies for that? Uh, I mean, it depends Why on should I even bother selling because nobody wants to... Well, it work. depends on who you are, right? It depends on who you are in the ecosystem. If you're a big network with a lot of clout, you know, you might actually get a couple pennies, right? Which is better than nothing. And that's the way people view it. But, uh, you know, I was just going to say that I think the, the biggest opportunity is the under-optimization and underselling of VOD impressions. It's a huge opportunity um, for both local broadcast and for the networks as a whole. Um, they're just not doing a very good job of selling it and monetizing it and finding audiences within it. Um, the frequency capping is a huge problem uh, when it comes to, to delivery of those. But you know, when you look at a total audience view perspective in digital, whenever someone clicks an ad or watches an ad, you get credit for it. 
right? That's not necessarily the case in television. Um, so we need to update the measurement. We need to update the technology to be able to track those sorts of things. And then people need to be willing to start paying, which is the toughest part. No one wants to pay for anything, but at least if you talk to the agencies. But um, that's a huge opportunity in television. Yeah, I mean, if you look at what Hulu does, for example, right? And Hulu is definitely not considered as, you know, or until recently at least, was considered as a digital advertising medium, right? And Hulu can command very, very high CPMs against pretty much exactly the same content 30 days, 40 days, 50 days, you know, six months after the content was on air. Nobody talks about C28 for Hulu, right? And so that's where I think you're, you're basically, you know, if I, if I understand it right, programmatic kind of sort of begins to start leveling the playing field there and also, you know, going back to our talk about convergence. Okay, um, so let's talk about DMPs and SSPs, okay? Uh, what's a supply-side platform? I mean, I think, I think we've already covered that. No, uh, from the perspective of uh, the data and the capabilities that are provided by it. Well, I mean, there's, there's many iterations and variations of SSPs, right? I mean, the supply-side platforms exist for, uh, across a lot of mediums, and, you know, I think they're there. Well, I mean, one of, the, one of the things, I mean, one of the reasons we built an SSP in TV, right, is because um, not that the broadcasters or the networks didn't know how to sell their inventory, um, but it was because they're not the best at processing data. They're not the best at um, development. Right and advancements in technology, um, but they also this, the SSPs also serve a, a really valuable place in the ecosystem because when you look at all the integration points to an SSP and the ability to process orders and avails and pricing in real time and all these things for the benefit of the inventory holders, um, you know it, it takes a lot of the legwork off of their plates. Exactly. I mean, you know, as a software company and you know, as a software professional all of my career and life, what strikes me is how much or how big of a role that software can play to entirely transform an industry. Like if you look at what, um, what like Brett was describing what's done today is use Excel spreadsheets and, you know, reports that are PDFs from which screen scraping and typing it up into spreadsheets to then you know, go and make a bid and create a pricing schedule and an uh, uh, insertion order, right? And if you fundamentally take a look at it, like we can talk about data science and, you know, big data and cloud and virtualization, everything. But it's just amazing how all of these terms, they are describing software modules. They're actually describing just software technology at play here that's transforming an entire industry, $60 billion industry. And to me, that's like, that's phenomenal. That's phenomenal. That's very... Um, I mean, I think everybody knows what a data management platform is. From a psychability perspective, we are a TV-first data management platform in the sense that we look at TV viewing habit and that becomes the touch point about the consumer as well as the, you know, the, the voter, the, the TV uh, uh, tune-in target, right? So that's sort of our core uh, value proposition in the industry. Uh, but everybody kind of knows what DMPs are. And, uh, I mean, I think if you look at from our perspective and why we decided to build an SSP, one of the things that you hear from the industry is that to bring true efficiencies to television, you need scale, right? And the way that TV is being sold right now is actually somewhat fragmented, right? You have to go through a rep, you have to call a local affiliate, you have to call a network, you have to see what's available, you have to go back and forth. And that process 
takes a lot of time, right? So um, the way that the agencies and the advertisers really want to buy or what really brings efficiencies to them to be able to activate local markets or activate networks is scale, right? And they're not going to want, they don't want to spend the political capital or the headcount for that matter, right, to go after 1,200 stations or have to call on 1,200 stations. So the benefit of an SSP and what we've actually really done is built tremendous scale across broadcast, across the networks, so that they can come and get those impressions in one place and find what they're looking for in one place. What we don't want them doing is going to multiple different screens. And I think what you see in, in digital is, you know, the expansion of the middle of the industry, right? We want to collapse it. We want to make it as easy on the sellers to make their inventory available to as many demand partners as possible and to have one or two single sources of login for people to access those impressions. Um, you know, and, and I, I think exactly. that it's that consolidation and breadth of scale that is really going to make a difference. Is, is that sort of the programmatic direct model that has been, at least that term has been thrown around in the TV industry, like as an example of what's not bidding, right? Well, yeah, I mean, it, it is a programmatic direct model. Will it ultimately go um, the way of bidding or will bidding be efficient for some sub, some sub segment of inventory within the ecosystem to maximize value? It might be, right? But at the same time, if you know, Turner has their own programmatic platform, and NBCU has their own programmatic platform, and um, you know, just Fox another term for upfront, Fox, right? No, it's not even that. It's not even that. Um, you know, and Fox has their own programmatic platform, and the buyer has to go and make 18 phone calls to cobble together the inventory that they want. That's not really being bringing any benefit to anyone. Um, so, you know, it, it's like when you look at Google and, and I, I hate this, like the walled gardens thing and closing everything off and putting everything behind walls. It's like, you know, it, I'm, I think where we're going and what we've done actually um, at Vidya is we've gotten them to open up the kimono and provide us the inventory, the full schedule of inventory. It's not just a remnant because you can't optimize the schedule without knowing what you have available in the full schedule. So, you know, I mean, those are, those are benefits that an SSP can bring um, to the table and what we are bringing to the table. In a similar manner, what's the role of a DMP, a data management platform like Psychability has? Well, the biggest mistake that almost everybody makes in terms of assuming what a DMP does in the TV industry is that if, I ha if, if somebody can bring data to the table, then all you have to do is find a match and then you know exactly who's watching what. And that's, that couldn't be further from the truth because A, usually you cannot match set-top box device IDs with anything else, uh, or you, even if you can match IP addresses of, of devices f on which TV viewing is being collected today, um, it's never a full 100% match. Uh, it's actually more like 15% match, so not even close, right? Um, and, um, and even with the match, uh, what you don't have is, is the scale, right? If, you are if all you're trying to do is build a bigger panel, um, then maybe that's, that's what you're aiming for. But all the topics that we discussed today can really be addressed only with a DMP that's you know, built from the ground up, purpose built for television viewing, and extending the capabilities, the measurement, the predictive uh, value of it, and the forecasting, and of course the transparency um, to the entire audience base of television, right? Not just the panels or the bigger panels or the, the part that matched. Okay, um, 
Uh, my last question is, why would you, why would someone choose Videa um, as opposed to any other platform in the industry? I mean, you know, they, they wouldn't. <laughs> they don't have to. Um, you know, but I think um, the one thing about Video and, and where we come from is we're, we're a Cox-based company. Um, and I think if you talk to a lot of people, you talk to the digital um, supp uh, supply side platforms that are trying to get into television, right? Television is a very uh, intricate, hard medium to buy. And uh, we come from television, right? We're owned by Cox. We're owned by Cox Enterprises. We own... Um, a lot of local station affiliates. We own a cable uh, cable company. Um, we understand TV. We own the largest rep firm um, in the country when it comes to television. So you know all of the pitfalls and challenges that um, and complications in all of those processes we've learned about over the last 30 years of doing business. And what we've tried to do is really combine the best practices um, and leave behind the worst practices for our partners um, in each piece of that ecosystem. And I think. Uh, the clients, uh, the inventory partners that we have, um, all of, I would say, just about all of the largest broadcast stations or broadcast groups in the country, um, as well as a number of networks uh, and, a, and a couple of O&Os, you know, I mean, they recognize the value of that. They recognize the value of people that come from TV and understand TV um, and are there to help them as opposed to, you know, bringing a cookie cutter solution that doesn't necessarily work for them. Um, but it's uh, it's been great, and, and you know I really appreciate everyone everyone coming out and hearing yeah. us there. I'd echo that that knowledge of TV from a data management platform is one of the key uh, differentiators that we have uh, at Psychability. But Pankaj, what what else is there that differentiates uh, Psychability? Well, I, I think TV DNA is very well put. Like you know, I think Asim um, has a phenomenal background in television. Um, I started my um, uh, my career in television. Um, and so I think bringing that know-how is key. I think one of our customers said it the best. They've worked with many data, data technology providers uh, who don't know anything about TV and they've had to basically educate them on their own business. And they've worked with many TV industry partners who understand TV technology extremely well but don't know anything about data science and data analytics specifically. And so as digital and TV merge, we find ourselves sort of at this crossroads where both of our backgrounds, the, the know-how that we've created in the company and the technology and the IPR we've created in the very focused research towards a viewer-centric approach to TV measurement uh, is really the key, key distinguishing factor. Okay, so that was the last question. We have a few minutes left, so uh, we can take a few questions. Anybody have a question? All right, the gentleman over there. Hello, sir. Hi, Brian. I had a uh, quick question. You mentioned the shift uh, recently away from digital to thank you, digital to television. And would you? What's the primary motivation there? Is it more of a ROI situation, or is it that they just can't validate what they're measuring? Uh, I, I think it's a little bit of both. Um, I do, but I also think you know we, we've actually talked to a lot of advertisers that. Um, when they shift budgets away from TV, or Hallmark being one of them, right, that, that we just talked to, um, when they take their entire ad budget out of TV and do strictly digital, they don't necessarily get the play out, they, know, they don't necessarily get the measurement or the number of views that they wanted or the ad quality that they want um, via those channels. And they've seen pretty significant drops in brand awareness, right, metric that 
um, while it might not be specifically tied to attribution, right, is very important in the marketplace to them. Um, so they've shifted TV, they've shifted advertising dollars back to TV. And I think, I think absent just selling more cars and that sort of thing, right? Um, TV is a great medium for brand awareness. And a lot of people that have gone away from TV have come back and come back in strength because they recognize that, um, that they've really seen significant drops in brand awareness by, by doing that. All right, we have another question over here. Here, I'll add the uh, digital ad agency side to this, so fully, uh, full disclosure there. Uh, the one thing that I think there's a little bit of a disconnect is there's always that punching bag mentality between the two, where the reality is, you're talking about brand awareness just on TV, it works well when uh, I speak to the mic closer, but it works well in combination. You're talking about brand attribution. One thing that we used to do quite a bit of is there's actually, um, uh, when you're looking at impact per impression, the impact per impression on linear or broadcast TV is much higher than that would be digital display and even VOD at this point. So you have to actually have that blend in order to actually make it work. And completely agree. I wasn't saying it's one versus the other. I completely agree they have to be in tandem and that's more what I was saying. It's not I'm only doing TV or I'm only doing digital. It needs to be that blend and I think exactly to your point when you do that blend you do see even an, 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 an increased lift over versus one or the other. Absolutely. Thanks. Another question? My, uh, I know you're a fan of the advanced advertising theater. You've been asking a lot of questions. I have to ask one every session. Um, do they pay you to do that? Yeah, yeah it sounds like a plan. <laughs> I work for her. We're not, we're not related. <laughs> we'll verify that after the session. Look, today in the linear, um, the linear program adding, we have uh, most of the ads coming from the networks, of course, from ESPN, and, uh, and they control most of the ads which are coming on the video feed already as opposed to the service providers and the MSOs where they only have their two minute slots of the local, the local ads. Now once this kind of shift happens, is, first of all, is the technology going to be the same serving both the networks and the service providers? And the second question, is the business model going to change because now we can do programmatic over linear? So, I mean, tough to say at this point. The business model is definitely going to change. Okay, I think the business model already is changing. Um, from a technology standpoint, you know, I think that's going to be up to the MVPDs and the MSOs in terms of you know how much they want to spend on infrastructure, um, on DAI, and things of that nature. Right? I think some of them already have it, um, and the ATSC 3.0 standard. Um, I think some of them are already trying to update for that. But a lot of that technology is already in the TV. So, you know, nah, I can't speak to that side of it as well. Maybe you have an opinion? Well, uh, yeah, just an opinion. I mean, if, I, if you look at where programmatic is going in the TV ecosystem, like programmatic TV itself, there's two broad categories of what um, both programmers as well as uh, agencies are either buying and selling. The two broad categories are audience buying, which is basically removing content as a proxy for audiences and instead actually bu buying segments uh, that's more than beyond age and gender, right? Uh, and then, this, which, is, which, is, which can happen at very, very large scale because it's extremely similar and a very small incremental extension of what happens today anyway. Like you can buy Nielsen segments in the upfront or in the scatter and they're all age and gender. You're buying more uh, and actually, in fact, you can even buy Nielsen guaranteed segments 
beyond agent gender today. So, and you can buy more in the programmatic, but through operational efficiencies. And uh, Brett has obviously spoken very well to that. And then the second category of what's happening in the programmatic space in linear is this very, very small, minuscule amount that's expected to explode um, is uh, what's called addressable household or addressable device in some cases, right? So addressable linear is this very one to 3% of ad spend that's happening. You know, if you look at what Modi Media is doing, Group M, and even now SMG, they are partnering very directly with MVPDs um, and saying like Cablevision and AT&T and saying, I know exactly what that device can do because of your data. And so what I'm going to do, I'm going to package this as a product and take it back to my client and say, hey, Macy's or whoever, right? If you want to know, if you want to know what, what shows your loyalty customer base from your loyalty card in Macy's is watching, I know that they are also a DirecTV subscriber or a Cablevision subscriber. So that's a very small percentage that's happening, but that's where sort of business models and data of course plays a huge role. So um, I don't know if I answered your question, but. Any oh. more questions? Well, thank you for coming today. Uh, it's been a pleasure to have Thanks. all of you here. We hope that thank you, you enjoyed it. You guys have been a great audience, great. very attentive audience. Awesome, thank, thank you for you. having okay. us. Standing room. And ladies and gentlemen, if you'd like to hear all this content again, it's going to be available on voiceamerica.com as a podcast and on demand. So if you're interested, put your uh, business card right in that jar and uh, we'll make sure and send you all that information, including some trends from the NAB 2016 show from Storytech who produced uh, the Advanced Advertising Theater. So go ahead and put your business card in there and thanks so much for coming.